Hello and you're listening to FPCast, the podcast for fruitless pursuits where we bullshit about the week in pop culture. I'm Luke. And I'm Jacinta. And this week we are talking about... dose of uh, racism themed movies yeah. this week. We're, we're gonna solve racism. Yeah, well, all these movies might. They might, Who yes. knows? Might uh, be the spark to ignite the... Flame? The flame. Of reconciliation. <laughs> oh. We should stop there because I have a feeling. <laughs> that's that's the uh, the most progressive. No, no. Look, you know, we look, we realise our limitations, and that's why we're reviewing three movies and two what to watches. So we don't necessarily have to spend a lot of time talking about the movies that maybe we're not qualified to talk about. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. There's uh, two white Australian people. Mm. Australia is not known for being very racially progressive. No. And although we. I think, um, are pretty good in that regard. I'm sure that uh, people might go, yeah, well, you said this thing and you did that, but hopefully we're trying to learn it and be open and um, be mm. aware of things. But we're also trying to do um, comedy as well. And also, when we're talking about movies, trying to critique them. Hmm. So uh, I do feel like there is a big stretch of thin ice out there. And uh, if we stop now, maybe that's as bad as it gets. Mm. But no, we're, we're going to navigate that and uh, give you some opinions on both Green Book and Hate You Give. I also saw Netflix's Velvet Buzzsaw and as you said we've got two Japanese movies to talk about each for uh, the What to Watch 2019 challenge. We even saw some teasers there. Look some stuff happened. That, that's the advantage of doing this. You know taking a break during mm. quiet weeks. Mm. There's more there's, there's more uh, filling in this here burger. Yeah right. Mm. Okay. You you're on fire today. I'm, yeah, see, I'm, I'm a bit slow to warm up. But yeah, we'll, well see. This this is what happens. We do it every week, and I'm like, Ugh, you're fresh. This again. And I have a week off, and now I'm back. You're restored. Your yeah, energy's back. I'm restored. Yeah. You're uh, you got a quick wit, sharp tongue. Mm. Okay. Uh, should we talk about Batfleck? <laughs> we might as well. Let's talk about Push on Batfleck. Yeah. Look, I I like Batfleck. I'm pro Batfleck, and I was always pro Batfleck. He's a great chunky Batman, mm. which I really liked. He, he, was a, he was a thick bat. He was the Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns mm. Batman. Like, not quite as old as that, but, you know, stocky. As mm-hmm. wide as he was uh, mm-hmm. tall. Tearing tires around the place, mm. lifting that stuff. Was, I, that was uh, my favourite bit of the movie. Uh, yes, so... Being grizzled. And it's yeah. funny because, you know, doing this show for... This is episode 278. I can remember as sort of saying, oh, look. Affleck's been cast. Mm. And now we're at the other end of the cycle. Batleck's been put in the bin. Hanging up the cape. Mm. Taken off the cowl. It's not his choice, though, is it? He's booted. I think it's a bit of both. Okay. Because remember, he was going to direct originally the, the Batman oh, yeah, solo right. movie. Yeah. And then he said it has to be the right script. Mm. And then he ended up going, look, I won't direct, but I still want it to be a really good script. Mm. And then he was like, yeah, no, I'm done. Mm. And I'm sure Cavill being done is a big part of that as well. That uh, enables him to just go, yeah, now it's my time to leave. I, mm. I think they're certainly going in a new direction now with exploring solo stuff and trying to get back to basics as opposed to uh, a big pile of everything. Mm. 
So, uh, yeah, he's um, hung up the cow. I imagine he's, like, uh, there just uh, covered in ba- baby powder. Because I imagine mm. he has to put on a lot of baby powder to pull on the bat suit mm. um, with a sad face. Mm. Well, I mean, he won't like, have to, like... nostalgic, sad. Well, I don't know that, that many of the previous Batmans have been like, you know what, that was the best role I've ever done, and that was my favourite thing. They haven't lasted long, have they? No. The Batmans, in fact. Bale's the longest with just three movies. Mm. Chris Evans probably shut out three Captain America movies in the first year. Mm. And Bale was barely Batman in that third one. He was Bruce Wayne in a yeah. hole. <laughs> yes, he was. Get out of this hole! <laughs> yeah. I'm falling in a hole! It was pretty much 90% of that movie. Mm. There's that um, scene with him in costume, with Catwoman in costume. It's about two minutes of the movie, and it's the only time it feels like a Batman mm. movie to me. Everything else is, uh, I'm in a hole and I've got a cane. Yeah, I don't remember. I barely remember anything about that last movie. I remember it was in a hole for about um, an hour and a half. Yeah. But yeah. That, that's about it. I've only seen it once, actually. But yeah, people don't stick around with Batman anymore. And I, I think another thing. I mean, let's be honest. And look, allegedly, does, doesn't Ben Affleck like... He likes a drink. Uh, allegedly, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I've seen him getting interviewed where he looks like he's uh, had a couple beforehand. Mm-hmm. He likes a drink. You can't look. You said you liked him, you know, shirt off, moving yeah, around that tire. Yeah. I don't think he's probably interested in looking like that a lot of the time. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And if you like a drink, mm. that's not very sustainable. So you know, you've done it a couple of times. You've got it up there on the big screen. If you're really like looking down at your belly and feeling nostalgic, yeah. you can watch the the tire getting pushed around. Yeah. But uh, that, that's a lot of pressure for um, a man mm. of his. Uh, status and yeah standing. but i mean you know even as a man who likes a drink you can't even play an alcoholic in a movie without looking ripped like in star is born that's true yeah yeah Jesus even you, ha- you have to be a you know a muscular alcoholic in the films now yeah there's no where is ben affleck's place anymore how much exercise do you get eating a hamburger off the floor bradley <laughs> cooper but, but check him out mm. buff as fuck mm. bizarre uh, so, yeah, I don't know who's going to be the next Batman. They're looking for someone younger. All the people I think of aren't younger. I don't know how young they're going to go. I'd, if they were going, you know, sort of still that adult, you know, closer to middle-aged Batman, mm. I would like a Gyllenhaal or, a, uh, or an Army Hammer. He's not that old. Mm. And he was going to get to play Batman in George Miller's. Mm. I like Army Hammer. He's got the jaw for it. He could probably be Superman, actually. He, well, he, he could. Yeah. Yeah, he could. Maybe that's better for yeah. him. He's he's much more of a Superman-y sort of guy. But either way, yeah. it'd, just be, it'd be a shame to cover up the rest of his face, too. So he can be Superman. Have you got a Batman pick? <sighs> Not really. Not that he's that young. Like, a lot of mine that I'd, I'd probably think, oh, that'd be quite good are... Probably Ben Affleck's age anyway, and they'd be wanting to go younger than that, so... So Asa Butterfield? Yeah. I watched Sex Education. Mm, it's good, isn't it? It's pretty good. Mm. I didn't love it, I must admit. I wasn't like... I didn't mean I mean in that, like, all relative, like, dairy girls, I was like, oh, fuck, I love this. Mm. And Sex Education, like, I was, this was good. This was enjoyable use mm. of my time. But it made me think that can we not have a reality show where couples go onto a set and... Mm. A, the actual Ace of Butterfield mm-hmm. sorts out their sexual problems, mm. and then at the end, he tries to ejaculate. <laughs> mm. Yeah, spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Did you think like multiple times that um, I, I saw? I saw a tweet the other day that 
like Margot Robbie, the girl from Sex Education, and some other people are like all different evolutions of the same Pokemon. She looks very similar. Who I'm trying to picture her. The blonde girl. Yeah, I'm yeah. just trying to with the pink hair. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she does. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. All right. Poke that's a pop culture reference. Mm. Pokemon. Very uh, smoothly done. <laughs> so um breaking news, Ace of Butterfield will be the next Batman and very excited about that. Actually Matt Ruiz was talking he's gonna direct it. Mm-hmm. And it's got a release date now of twenty twenty one, I think. Mm-hmm. But said that uh, there'll be a bit of a rogues gallery and some of the best like, more mainstream Batman stories. And I mean more mainstream as opposed to something like Dark Knight Returns, mm. which is sort of a bit of a what-if future story. Um, but things like Hush and The Long Halloween mm. have Batman basically running the gauntlet through a whole gang of classic villains. Mm. Like, every boy, they all try and wear him down over a short amount of time. Mm. Well, maybe not Long Halloween. Does it take place over a year? Something like that. But anyway, there's a lot of the villains in it. And I think maybe that's the way to go. I especially feel that after watching Aquaman where it was like, let's just throw everything in and not worry mm. about it. Let's not go small like Venom. Let's just go fucking bonkers. So um, throw them all in there. I mean, look, put in all the Jokers. Mm. Jared Leto, great. Mm. Uh, Joaquin? Lego Joker. Lego Joker. Yeah, Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> yes, put him in there. Either Mark Hamill. And Mark Hamill, put mm. him in there as well. Mm. Um, it can be animated, Roger mm. Rabbit star. A Cesar Romero impersonator. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll be happy with. Yeah. And um, the ghost of Heath Ledger reconstructed from unused footage. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Done. There's your, your movie. Film. Night of the living and some dead Jokers. <laughs> Best thing about the Cesar Romero Joker is that he's still got his moustache, but they like he wouldn't shave it, and they just put white makeup over it, mm. and it looks kind of filthy. I can't imagine why that would be like in HD. Not pretty. Uh, speaking of the Bat family, we got a weird teaser for the mm. Birds of Prey slash Harley Quinn movie, which was kind of like a 80s photo shoot, music video promo mm. kind of thing. It reminded me of like... In the video cassette age, when um, you know, being like a 17, 18 year old with lots of hormones, and mm-hmm. you get like a um, softcore mm-hmm. compilation thing, mm-hmm. and um, it often starts with women doing fake photo shoots, and they've got like big 80s hair, uh-huh. and uh, and then they end up getting naked. It was kind of looked like that a bit. Uh, did you see the stills? Because everything flashes. I haven't seen the stills, but I like kind of. Paused it in various. Yeah. Okay, so, so I, mean, I paused it until I saw you and McGregor's bit, and then I went, "Yeah, I'm, I'm fine." And that was just you and McGregor, wasn't yeah. it? It was just like he—he's playing black mask, but he wasn't wearing no, the black just, mask. You and McGregor just, had wandered onto set one day, and he just wandered through the and, photo shoot. Um, there was Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Huntress, but it was basically just her in a black crop top with a crossbow, mm. and uh, Harley Quinn had shorter hair and um, and even more divergent from the sort of Harlequin costume into a more, even more of a Suicide Girls mm. kind of uh, almost uh, rave candy necklace kind of feel to it. So what worries me about this film, and I, I say worry, not really, because I'm not really worried about it. Mm. Like, I'm fine. Uh, but my concern, I'm not really concerned, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I saw that Terminal movie that Margot Robbie produced... Yep which I so think was an early draft of a Harley Quinn movie. And it is so tone deaf that I just don't have any faith 
in her ability to assess quality. Mm. And I have a feeling it's going to go right down that route. Um, I'd love to be surprised. And look, you know, you, you and McGregor's got some taste, right? No. Yeah. Have you have you seen some of the things he's been in? Absolutely fucking not. I might be thinking of the nineties. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't. I th- I hate the title of the movie. I can't even remember what it is because it's no, so no long. one will ever remember. And that that like, reeks of that's what Terminal is like. Is yeah. like that subtitle of the movie. Yeah. I like. I hate that. So I'm already kind of going in, going like a little bit exhausted by this movie that I've seen absolutely nothing of yet. The title is like when you're watching Big Brother or something and someone writes a poem yeah. and everyone goes, oh, yeah, that's really good, and it's not. Mm. Like, it's kind of like someone non-creative mm. um, basically holding up their finger painting to put on the fridge yeah. and it's uh, just it's not like, good. It's like what a 14-year-old girl would have had as an MSN username back in the day. And you know th- she thinks it's funny. Yeah. And it's it's... Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to work. Speaking of... uh, Not going to work. Oh, you wash your mouth out, sir. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Look. (laughs) Look. If we've got to go another Faster Than the Furious, and I know that if I make you go and see Transformers movies and things, I'm definitely seeing Faster Than the Furious movies in the cinema. Look, I'm glad it's this one. Mm. Because they've um, cut out the thing that really turned me off. Vin Diesel. Faster Than the Furious movies. Vin Diesel is Mm -hmm. not here. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is fantastic. Instead, it is The Rock and uh, Statham. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess, you know, if you're going to focus on a couple of the characters, it's the best of a bad bunch. Yeah, yeah. And they have fun chemistry. I think that kind of odd couple that hate each other, that have to work together, it's a classic trope, but it's a good one. And that's why it keeps getting rolled out. I, I love this trailer. Like, it's so... The Fast and the Furious movies, you know, if you've been there since the beginning, they just get progressively more and more bonkers and just crazy. And now so Idris Elba is like a supervillain with superpowers. I thought we were watching the wrong trailer for that yeah. first couple of seconds. Yeah, I yeah. Was like, no, he's, hang he's, on, this isn't it because it's gone sci-fi. Yeah, no, he's a supervillain now and they're just like, well, fuck it. Why not? Yeah, he's like, got and superpowers has a f- and a super suit, and he's running around punching walls and stuff. Yeah. And then they get the rock. Yeah, and then he punches the rock into a car. Yeah. Yeah. And is the rock also the same character from Skyscraper? Because he looks like he's fighting a skyscraper at one point, too. Mm. Well, they do that. Like, they, they smash cars into buildings and stuff. Well, that, that's it. I, I want to know, you know, how... New can you go? I guess adding a sci-fi element is hmm. something. Yeah, one day but, it's going to be Fast and the Furious in space. Like, it's, you know. But that shot of, like, the car, slide car, sliding under the truck, for hmm. example. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's been done. I've seen all this. Hmm. It's like, what, what are you going to do for me? The, yeah, that's well, they're new. not, not going to show you in the trailer. Well, they usually do. You usually kind of see everything. Yeah, but even that, even the one from the last one where they, all the cars were coming out of the parking garage, like, you saw that a little bit in the trailer, but you didn't kind of see the full, yeah. you know, extent of the context of that scene, so... I guess. So, you know, there'll be there'll be something there, and I think they are focusing more on the, um, obviously, the relationship and the comedy, than, uh, but I imagine there probably will be some pretty uh, pretty massive stunts, because that's what the franchise is, is known for. Oh, stunts. 
Rock's got that <laughs> terrible line about what does he say about being a cold? Oh, a cold hard can of whoop ass. Yeah, yeah. so basically, I am violent. <laughs> yeah. I inflict violence on people. Yep. Um, which generally we we don't applaud, mm. but uh, yes, go and be a big slab of meat and punch people that you don't like. Mm. Yeah, but they're bad guys. Well, that's true. In America, has always had very clear. Mm. bad guys mm. that uh, are worth a punch and a punchline mm. and a quip mm. yeah alright it's uh, a thing that I, that's this year I guess yeah I think so okay yeah. I'll look forward to that <laughs> alright now shall we uh, switch gears that's yes. a car thing uh, you know it, it's not just Vin Diesel they also got rid of um, Paul Walker oh shit no okay so look mm. it's looking up that's so mean so mean. He's dead. Oh! What? Oh! What What will all of those bogans with the R.I.P. Paul Walker forever in our hearts cars on their... stickers on their cars say? We'll put Stan Lee ones <laughs> over the top. R.I.P. Stan Lee, the true superhero. Yeah. <laughs> with a, a picture of Modoc crying. <laughs> <laughs> These tears, they burn. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forgive Marvel for um, Doctor Doom crying when the two twin towers went down. I mean, he should have been jacking off. He should have been thrilled. He should have been jealous. Mm. He had his face curled in envy. Uh, but no, he had a weep. Uh, so, no. All those other times he was uh, trying to destroy cities, buildings, planets. Which mm. is, yeah. He just had a really soft spot well, for New York. He's a big softy at heart. Yeah, no, he's such a, he's so, he's a misunderstood nice guy. Dr. And he Doom. loves trade. I mean, he does. Yeah. He does run a country. Yeah. Uh, he's very interested in trade. Mm. And, uh, you know, in order to rule over a country, you need uh, good trade mm. policies. Mm. So, you know, you've got a symbol of trade and they fucked it up. No. Yeah. I'm going to have a weep about it. Mm. Squirrel, he was using Squirrel Girl's tail as a mop up his tears. It was very, very intense. Yeah. And like in the next uh, the next panel, his mask was all rusty. Because yeah. it just wasn't designed for tears. And you know, he wears the mask because he's got a small scar and he's a perfectionist. So mm. then he had to put another mask on top of oh, his rusty mask. mask. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Very intense. <laughs> Uh, Green Book. Yes. Gosh. That's a that's a movie. Yeah, switching that's... gears. Okay, so I, I think there is kind of a increased expectation on this movie just because where we are in awards season. Mm. The fact that it won the Golden Globe for Best Drama and that there's... No, Best Musical or Comedy. Oh, Best Musical or Comedy, yeah. sorry. I, I was thinking logically for a second. <laughs> And the fact that, you know, it may win Oscars, we don't know, has put... Like, I think that's elevated this film into something that I don't think it quite is. Because I'm probably more inclined to be critical of it because of all that as I would be if I'd just seen it during the year and I would have gone, oh, yeah, that's a solid three-and-a-half star film, mm. you know, seven out of ten, something that I enjoyed, not a favourite of the year, not, not something I loved, but... Uh, had elements I appreciate and, mm. you know, a very typical drama. And mm. I think that's the thing about it for me is that I find it quite middle of the road. It is. It absolutely is. Um, 
and I actually I actually gave it three stars. I gave it less less than you did. Um, I think it's just there's something so obvious about watching, especially watching, you know, this and the hate you give in in fairly kind of close quarters. That this is a movie. It's a feel good movie. Yeah. It's a movie for. It's a movie from the point of view of a white person. It's directed by a white person. The book, I don't know who wrote the original book. It's based on a, a true life story. And the uh, Vigo's character's real life kid was one of the producers on it as well. So it's really being funneled through this sort of, you know, white viewpoint. And it feels like a very... It's a movie for white people to go and watch about racism where they don't have to be in any way challenged. Yeah, because the the whole thing, even though Vigo's particularly at the beginning of the film, because mm. spoilers, he might go through a little bit of a journey, <laughs> is quite racist. Mm. Uh, not in a going out and beating people up, but mm. certainly in his viewpoints. Mm. There's still this overall kind of, oh, but he's such a lovable lug and that's just how he was brought up. Mm. He's not a bad guy. Like, once he gets to know you, he's fine or whatever. Yeah. And, it's and like, isn't it funny how he's like telling this black guy that he doesn't know how to be black enough and, like, I'm just sitting there going, oh, fuck, okay. Like, is this meant to be, like, funny? Because this is very uncomfortable. Yeah, so... And I think at the end of the... Really, his journey is that he learns that he likes one black person. That's essentially his journey. He likes one very specific black person. Yeah, who doesn't really act like a black person. In his opinion. In his opinion, yeah. And who also um, has an exceptional set of circumstances which are different from pretty much any other person of mm. anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> because there's not many of us uh, that are piano protégés mm. that sit on thrones and are um, huge intellectuals and yeah. charismatic leaders and mm. all that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, and I think as well, when you're tackling something like racism, I think ultimately the... The film I want to see is something where it's going to, like you said, challenge someone. And it's going to challenge someone who may have thought a certain way. Might not, you know, there's all varying degrees of racism. Somebody who might have preconceptions or ideas about things Mm -hmm. and gets challenged and starts to see things from a different perspective. And I don't know Mm. if there's anything in this film which is going to enable that really. No. It um, certainly highlights uh, some of the horrible, cruel, dehumanising segregation mm. that happened in the past. Mm. Um, but then I think that, again, having that as a... Again, having it as a period piece, which is fair enough, again, it's a true story, it allows people to go, oh, but that was in the past, yeah. and distance themselves from it, where something like Hate You Give is extremely contemporary and it's hard to, to distance that. So I think that, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the, the Golden Globe voters uh what their sort of demographic makeup is but i can i can kind of guess um and i mean i don't know well i mean i know why these are put into weird categories for golden globes just to give them a better shot at winning but and also studios sometimes will split their releases into the two categories Mm. so that they don't compete directly compete against themselves as well but i just i i don't know how this wins anything like i just can't think of anything particularly special about this movie. I think the performances are strong, but the characters perhaps aren't as strong. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I, 
I enjoy. They're, they're doing the best they can, but there's not there's not a lot to go on with. Like I'm gonna say, I did enjoy seeing Vigo be this big palooka to be because we know he's an intense dude, mm. and to see him just throw himself at something quite different mm. and uh, do such a good job at it. But then at the same time, um, yeah, like is that the character I want to empathise with? Mm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. So, yeah, like, it's fine, but I'd be really disappointed if it wins Best Picture or anything mm. like that. I, I, I just... Um, and, and as you said, like, I, I don't know how effective it is in terms of... Um, we're, we're not the people to sort of judge that, but in terms of its message, I, I certainly thought that uh, when I logged it on Letterboxd, um, some of the top comments on that were, were quite enlightening for me. Mm. Um, I think that the the interesting part of the movie for me wasn't really what they were focusing on, as in Vigo's character's journey. It's that idea of um, Herschel Ali's character not really feeling like he belongs in either world. Like that was the interesting part of the yeah, movie for me, yeah. and they just didn't focus on that. Particularly. No, yeah, it's his. It should be his story, yeah. but it's more of a Vigo story, yeah. and uh, that seems kind of disingenuous, mm. I guess. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I don't want to make any definitive statements on that because I just don't know. Like, I, I'm at that point where I want to read what um, people who know more about mm. this have to say and because that's, like I said, that's what's enlightening to me when I, I read and go, oh, okay, you know, you can sometimes watch this thing and go, oh, okay, yeah, okay, so racism's really bad and I know that and no, I didn't realise this and then someone puts this other perspective in and you go, oh, okay, that's made me think of things in a different way. Mm. Um, because there's there's a personal connection there, mm. and I think that's the limiting thing about having, you know, like a like I guess white people in charge of a movie about racism. Like it's only ever going to be so limited in what it in what it gives you. I think I tweeted that this movie thinks that it's a rich ghetto when in fact it is just a sponge cake. Mm. Ghetto, not ghetto. Mm. Ghetto. 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 In the ghetto. No. <laughs> If you're in a black forest. I love black forest cake. That is my favourite cake. Very 70s, but uh, so am I. So, uh, yeah, 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 the hate you give. Mm. T-H-U-G. Mm. Thug. Thug life. Thug life, the hate you give little infants fucks everyone. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a bit of a stretch, that, isn't it? No. Little infants? Yeah. As opposed to what? Gigantic infants? I mean, I mean, you could ask Tupac what he meant, but he's not around. Oh, that's convenient. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think little this infants, was. Yeah, infants yeah. are little. Well, not all of them. It's look, it's redundant. Yeah, it should be thug life. It just doesn't work as well. Yeah, but I mean, you got you a know, free finger to. But I mean, technically, like something else. Up. You know, the the U, it should be Y. No, look. So that I can, you know. I might be getting on in years, but mm. I appreciate how the young people okay. communicate. I'm fine with that. 20 years ago. But Little Infant? Mm. No. Come mm. on. I'm willing to give Tupac a pass on that one. Uh, and I'm not. Okay. Well, there we go. Um, Bring up his hologram. I, th- I want a word with him. <laughs> I think these were two uh, pretty good movies to watch. It would be reviewing in the same week because I think they really are different sides of a, a similar coin where I think that Green Book is very much made from a, you know, for white audiences who don't want to be challenged. The Hate You Give is for audiences who are willing to be challenged. Uh, yeah, okay. I didn't find it challenging enough 
I'm okay. going to say. But I, I think that for a broad audience, and particularly a young audience, mm. and we've got to bear in mind this is from a young adult yeah. thing, I yeah. think it's a, a really great introduction mm. and I think it's necessary and I think that if you're not being exposed to some of those ideas then this is really good. But I think if you wanted a deep dive into those ideas, I think there are there are better things. Like I think it's it feels a little surface level to me. Um, and I think the thing that really made me feel that was I'd listened to the podcast series recently, um, the Sixteen Shots, which mm. was about that real case where the cop fired sixteen shots um, into the young African American man who was uh, supposedly had a knife. Mm. Um, it was caught on dashboard camera so it sort of felt like a fictionalized version of that but then with those sort of movie tropes and a Mm. villain and a third act kind of thing and i think the real story of of how something like that unfolds and all the different perspectives is far more interesting and um and then look this is a great springboard if you enjoyed hate you give i definitely recommend 16 shots because it, it actually they continue reporting through the trial and the verdict um, it was a bit of a groundbreaking verdict. You get to hear all the perspectives. Hatred gives not interested in all the perspectives. It doesn't spend a lot of time with the police and the police justification for it. Uh, the police justification comes on quite strong in 16 shots. They really talk to everybody. And I'm not saying that gives you empathy for it. It was the opposite for me. Like I was like outraged at the sort of bullshit the police were coming up with. But I think that you can show all those perspectives and create a greater understanding. Whereas when you don't cover it, it, it feels, um, yeah, it just feels that little bit incomplete. Mm. Uh, you, you've got that sort of problem with something like Hate You Give being fiction in the sense that every time you cast someone, like the cop that's kind of being disagreeable, you go, oh, well, he's this bald, mean looking guy who kind mm. of looks like a skinhead. Whereas, in real life, um, there's so much more to it than that. And uh, there's a lot of um, white people in this movie basically, like, setting up shots for the other characters to spike over the net. Hmm. So, like, when KJ Appa goes, I don't see colour, I'm like, it's a trap! You are <laughs> fucked! You are going down! And then, you know, he gets... But, but maybe... I think I think it's a perspective thing because I think that I actually liked those moments because it just made and the, and the characters going you know oh they they feel a lot of sympathy for the cop and the the cop's family when they're saying they're getting threatened and stuff like that because it sort of gives that you know perspective of how just bad and and silly that all sounds while you're you're following along the the african-american storyline of this saga Mm. yeah because yeah it it ultimately comes down to you know there are lots of things you can do before you start shooting at Mm. somebody Mm. yeah uh no i agree and i I think again because it's probably aimed at more of a teenage Mm. audience there probably are people or definitely are people that are in that audience who have found themselves saying things like i don't see color or Mm. i feel bad for the policeman and Mm. stuff like that and how like co-opting sort of black culture for teenagers does seem so normal but when you know you have that black teenager from that neighborhood going in and looking at it and going oh fuck you probably shouldn't be doing this like Mm. this is this is like not great but it's just so normalized that people don't even think that there's anything wrong with doing it 
Yeah. So I, th- I like there were a lot of moments in this movie that I kind of went, oh, actually, I I liked that, or um, you know, I got a lot out of it. I think that. Uh, there was a lot of moments similar to like at the end of Get Out when the police car turns up and you just kind of have that moment of, oh, fuck. Like there's a bit at the the end of this movie which is just the most sphincter-clenching moment I think I've seen for ages because you think, oh, I'm about to watch something really fucking bad happen right now. Um, I didn't think I was going. That was the thing. I was too comfortable in the fiction. Yeah, no, I... I, th- I was... I was assuming that like anything could happen yeah. and that because at that moment everything was going to every everyone was so hyped up in that moment that i just did not know where things were going mm. Mm. so yeah mm. I, I really enjoyed it i think it's a uh, as far as at this point in the world i think it's a much more valuable movie than green book oh yeah I agree. like a I, million I, yeah, percent 100 percent. yeah i was gonna say i was gonna say 100 percent. and you went a million yeah so now i sound like i don't care about these issues and i, mm. I obviously really do because mm. i listened to 30 episodes of 16 shots i'm mm. very invested in this mm-hmm. and i found that fascinating mm. and i think um if i'd gone to it the other way if i'd seen this and then mm. listened to 16 shots uh that would have been better mm. but um i feel like i'd i've really thoroughly had an investigation of mm. a real life version of this and heard the real life people talking that um when it came to this there was something about it that felt young adult mm. but uh well, that, that's mean, what's it, gonna it get, is young yeah, adult. and that's what's yeah. gonna get people young adults into the cinema to see mm. it so that's good and, and it probably has hopefully more potential with some of those um kids that are more like her school friends mm. in that that they might see shades of themselves and start to think about things differently mm. uh, and that's ultimately what a film like this should be mm. should be doing yeah uh, as well as empowering of course yeah though the, I think it's only on very like limited screenings here it hasn't got a wide release um, and I did see event cinemas put up like an ad for it saying oh it's on limited um, limited screens now and there was one comment on it and I thought I shouldn't read this comment and I read the comment and it was like this is like a hundred percent racist propaganda what a joke and I'm just like oh fuck like that's the one comment well, that's why we that's why we need it and it's I just guess. like so that's so gross like I just you know oh oh it's so di- like you know that for the most part, the world is kind of garbage, but it's just so disappointing when that's confirmed. No, you're right. You're right. And that that's even more justification for something like this existing mm. because, yeah, it's easy to be in an echo chamber and there's part of me when watching it where I think, yeah, we get this. Like, we know this. We, mm. but there's so you're many right. people you, who don't. You just have to read anything. Yeah. And it's just um, yeah. terrible. Like, I read uh, there was a an article saying that, oh, rumours that the the Black Widow movie is going to start shooting soon and, fuck, the comments were so gross. And, like, they were way grosser than I was expecting. Like, Uh. way, way grosser. And I was like, fuck, like, how was the world... Like, the world has gotten worse. They're not happy people, though, are they? I mean, you you can't have much fulfilling going on Mm. to be that person. Mm. Like, you can't. And I imagine that's another thing, like, with the world being pretty fucked. There's probably a lot of people in pretty miserable situations Mm. that um, don't have fulfilling jobs, don't have a lot of money, don't have a lot of leaving their house time, don't have a lot of joy, and 
So they're going to be douchebags on the internet to make themselves feel better. Yeah, I guess. Mmm. Yeah. Sucks to be those guys. Mmm. 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 I think I gave um, Hatred Give three and a half as well. Okay. I gave it four. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I... Well, I say I enjoyed it. Like, it's not a pleasant thing to watch necessarily, yeah. but I think I did get more out of it than I was expecting to. I'll tell you what what didn't frighten me, though. What? Bad guy Anthony Mackie. Because I just love that I fucking love, dude. When yeah. I see Anthony Mackie, I yeah. start smiling. I couldn't be scared. Yeah, I couldn't be scared of him. I was scared of him. No. I was like, I want you to start flying around. Yeah, I was like, oh, man, that neck tattoo looks pretty good on Anthony Mackie. Like, I, know, I don't like neck tattoos. I gross. know that sucks for any actor to go, oh, but you're a superhero. I want to see you do your superhero yeah. thing. Yeah. But at the same time, there are plenty of actors who mm. then go and play like some sort of bad role, like bad guy role or something, mm. and just lose themselves in it. And you yeah. go, oh, fuck, I'm scared of this person. Yeah. I really wasn't scared of Anthony Mackie in this film. No. He, he looked too jolly. Yeah, yeah. And he sent all his buddies to do his bad work. Anyway, the most uh, upsetting moment of between both of these movies, uh, I think, was the bit where Vigo was in the car eating KFC with his hands while driving. Oh, disgusting. He ate a lot of food. He, he did. Like, I was watching this thing going, did he have in his trailer just, like, a case of... I don't know, what is it, Pepto-Bismol or just, like, heartburn, yeah. like, digestion medication? Well, like, remember fuck. when he did Lord of the Rings, uh, he um, slept with his horse. Yeah. And on this, he spooned a... Calzone. A, a foot-long meatball sub. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He probably got them to, like, can you make um, a six-foot meatball sub? Uh, like, one of those party catering things. Yeah. Like, the crew probably saw it on the catering table and went... Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a spicy meatball. And then he was mm. like, no, 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 that's no, that, just for me. That's part of my prep. Mm. And he um, took it into his uh, trailer and mm. he, he spooned it Yeah. for that entire shoot. Mm. Yeah. He ate uh, an upsetting amount of food in that movie. Yeah. Mm. And he, 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 I reckon he did in real life. Well, I, I suspect at the, at the start of the movie, I was like, does he have like a, is it a fake belly? And I'm like, mm. no, he doesn't do fake. <laughs> it's not a fake belly. Nah. Yeah. That must be just such... Like, because you know he's got the discipline. If the next role he took required him to be a... Um, oh, he would, like, Christian Bale... Like a, yeah. Machine... Is it Machinist or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Um, or if he had to be a boxer or something. You know, he would yeah. do it. Oh, yeah. And you know he could do it. So when it's like, you're going to be a fatty, you must <laughs> your face must just fucking light up. <laughs> and his arteries clog up, yeah, his face lights up. You'd just be like, fuck, the milky bars are on me. Let's mm. just... Get into that drive-through mm. right now. Mm. Fill up the back seat. Fuck. How enjoyable. He's attacking a pile of hamburgers like he attacked. Was it him in Eastern Promises or was it Mads Mikkelsen? No, it was him, wasn't it? Was him, it? yeah. Like in the nut? Yeah. yeah like he's Fighting on the man. tile floor. <laughs> he is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. He's good. I like Vigo. About a foot-long sub. <laughs> oh, did you see... You may not have seen during the week... Um, uh, Andy Murray, who's a tennis player, yeah. had, had to have surgery on his hip. and um, That's Cockney rhyming slang for a curry as well. Uh-huh. And he, I, love an, I love an Andy Murray. He uh, posted a, a photo on Instagram of his x-ray saying, yeah. oh, I've got this plate in my hip. And, yeah. and uh, not realising that in the x-ray you could see his dick. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so he must have been on a great deal of pain medication. I don't know if he posted it, if one of his people posted it, but somehow 
any of the number of people who viewed this image before posting it on social media did not realise that you could see Andy Murray's dick in this picture. How do you see a dick on an x-ray? It's like the, the outline of the, the penis. It's like a shadowy... Mm. Um, there's, you know, like, we call it a boner, but there's no bones in there. No. 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 It's all blood. Mm-hmm. And tissue. Yeah. Fibrous tissue. And what was the uh, sort of general verdict on Andy Murray's... Oh, look, to be honest, people weren't judging the the size too much. Men were sort of mostly going, yeah, that's a that's just a normal average size penis. That's fine. And all the women were like, hmm. Uh, and then some other dude I saw, he's like, well, this is my x-ray. And it was like his sort of <laughs> very x-ray with a little bit longer kind of shadowy yeah. thing going on there. So that was quite funny. But, yeah, um, yeah poor Andy Murray. He got his, got his accidentally popped his chop up on his socials. Yeah. yeah. It's not like it was like a tube of tennis balls or anything. No, it wasn't. All right. It wasn't. It was a little chipolata. Okay, well, look, that's something, fellas, <laughs> to think just, about. Just be careful when putting up uh, x-rays of your, your nethers on, on the internet. And what would show up for a lady? Um, probably not much. Little divot? Don't know. I'd, look, if any ladies out there have their x-rays, uh, mm-hmm. post them on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Tag us. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> no, please that would don't. Be terrible. Please don't. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, racism sure is a thing. Is a thing. We watch movies about it, and uh, it's uh, always a process. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is an ongoing process, and uh, you just got to keep listening and learning. Hmm. And good uh, advice. Understanding other people's perspectives. Yes, and understanding that you might be wrong about some stuff. Yep. Yep. Indeed. Okay, well, I guess that... Um, oh, I watched Velvet Buzzsaw as well, mm-hmm. which is the Netflix thing, writer and director of uh, Nightcrawler. Oh, okay. Also starring uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. And it's a kind of horror movie set in the art world. Okay. And uh, I think you'd enjoy it. Okay. Maybe I should just leave it at that and let you go and check it out. But it's got a great cast. It's got, like, Tony Collette and Renee Russo and... Uh, Jack Gyllenhaal, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a lot of fun. Okay. I don't know a lot about it. I've seen pictures of Jake in the nude. With the laptop. From, with the laptop. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, he plays an art critic, and it's yeah. a great character. Okay. And it it feels like uh, the square kind of meets, uh, I don't know, like it goes into a sort of supernatural, well, definitely supernatural mm. thing. But um, no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay. Don't watch the trailer. Okay. Because I, I watched the trailer afterwards just because Netflix likes to run things up the top. Yeah. And there were so many shots in that trailer, which I would have had no idea when I watched it that were coming up. Mm. And I'm so glad I didn't know. Okay. Like, I think the trailer spoils a lot of stuff and, and also sort of recuts it in a kind of weird light. Whereas just watch it and, um, if you know, it doesn't hook you early on, give up on it. But I, I thought mm. it was really good. Yeah, so, okay. Uh, and, and such a weird twist on horror to have people kind of taken out by art and art installations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, satirical, dark, weird, and, uh, well, really well shot as well. Yeah, cool. So okay. So definitely uh, give that a shot. All right. Well, it's just our What to Watch challenge. We're still in the throes of Japanuary. We both watched the same first film because we're doing two weeks' worth. Uh, we had to watch a film by director Seijun Suzuki. Mm-hmm. 
And we both watched the 1966 Tokyo Drifter. Hmm. Sort of. Well, you finished it. I uh, I tapped out after about half an hour, I think. I There was a lot of erratic camera movement that uh, that was bothering me a bit, and it just didn't keep my attention. I, I like the style, and I think mm. the style is really the thing about mm. it. Uh, I think it's really difficult to kind of piece together in your head. Like, this is a film from 1966, like, what is it inventing mm. or, or what is it influenced by mm. and what does it influence? influence? Yeah. Because there were certain shots and setups which reminded me of things from, say, Kill Bill or whatever. Mm. And, and I would have been curious, and I haven't done this research, but, you know, was Tarantino inspired by something like this? Was, you know, you know there's a, a sort of aesthetic in there which reminds me of, same also 1966, the Batman TV series. Mm. Like, because there's... A jazz club and this sort of um, hippie go-go dancer mm. kind of thing that goes through it sometimes and those like club sets which look like they're on studio sound stages mm. with um, a bright coloured psych in the background uh, so yeah I, I think it was stylish I mean this is in the Criterion collection so mm. I, I would assume that it is an influential film I totally understand where you're coming from because I felt the same thing. I was probably about 45 minutes into it. It's not even a long movie. It's about mm. an hour and 20 minutes, I think. And I was thinking, I probably get this. Like, I, everything I can get out of this, I think I have. But you know how sometimes you're just thinking, I don't want to miss if something goes crazy or mm. what, if, what if there is this big moment in it that mm. is the reason to watch it? Mm. Well, that's like with... Um Brain did. I watched that in two sittings, and I watched like kind of the first yeah. half, and was like, oh, "I'm just, just not super feeling this, but I am enjoying it." Yeah, I'm not super. I'll come back to it, and then obviously that second half is where everything happens, and I'm like, "Oh." So well, I do plan on going back to Tokyo Drifter because if I if I don't finish it, I won't log it, and if I don't log it, then I have not completed my challenge. Yeah, but yeah. So it wasn't a priority. I got through it, but it didn't really. I, I think you've seen half of it. You've seen all of it. Yeah. Okay. It didn't really um, lift the game. I wanted to see him go nuts mm. because that's sort of the idea is that it's about this guy who uh, was a gangster. He's kind of, um, his group's gone legit. Mm. But then there's a lot of double crossing and real estate schemes amongst rival factions. I wasn't following it, to mm. be honest. And he ends up basically having to go out solo and, and become a drifter, someone without any kind of connection. It's kind of like a... I would say, an, an analogue of the Ronin samurai lone mm. swordsman wandering around and he can't keep out of trouble. And he's, I don't know, I was expecting more of a kind of um, James Bond-esque sort of crazily skilled character, but there's mm. not a massive amount of that. Because there's that beginning, he's shot in black and white, mm. and there's that, you know, they're trying to goad him into exploding, basically, and to, to showing off all his uh, skills, and he won't do it. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's a lot about honour and loyalty and being masculine. Mm. But, yeah, I liked it for the style, but, uh, yeah, I, I, as a movie, kind of uh, forgettable. Mm. But, again, it could have been absolutely fucking groundbreaking at the time, and, and that's the problem. It's hard yeah. to go back. I don't, know the, I don't know enough about the context of it to, to fully appreciate it. Mm. And uh, then we have to do a sci-fi movie. And what did you pick? I 
I kind of fucked up a little bit. My intention was to watch the very first original Godzilla. Yeah. Okay, the Japanese Godzilla movie. And when I was sort of scrolling through... You were watching it and you saw Matthew Broderick in <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I was like scrolling through where I was going to watch it and I was like, oh, this Godzilla movie from the 50s. This has got to be it. So I pop it on and I'm watching it and I'm like, why does this movie have an American protagonist? This seems a bit weird but i haven't seen godzilla maybe it did have an american protagonist who fucking knows so i got about 25 minutes in and i went look this this isn't right like the way these scenes were shot around mm. this guy was so weird and i was like all right so i had to stop it work out read up and find out what the fuck is going on in this movie so what happened is the original movie came out in 1954 then in 1956, they made another version of the movie and recut it completely to insert this male American protagonist who basically comes in and amerisplains the movie. And all these scenes where, like, oh, he's on the island with these people and Godzilla turns up and he's there, but, like, he's gone, oh, there's something wrong when you get to higher ground. And, like, this scene plays out with him basically standing on a hill watching it with it cutting to reaction shots from his face every so often and then like if he's talking to someone who is an actual character in the movie the camera will be behind the person he's talking to but you never ever see their face and it's really obvious that you're not seeing their face because it's not the person it's just someone made up to look like that person and um and he's will ferrell yeah and it was will ferrell it was so weird um but no it was fucking crap and it was like <laughs> i saw yeah when you said you were doing godzilla i was like oh i'm so jealous and then i saw you did logged it a uh, star and a half and i thought okay maybe i got out of this better than i thought yeah but i want to go back and watch the actual godzilla mm. because i need to know really how it differs like if there is any uh, you know real narrative significant narrative change like i think he's his reason for being there is that he's going to i think try and meet the the scientist that's that essentially eventually comes up with the the way to kill um godzilla but uh it is just the most bizarre insane thing like i thought i was just going mad watching this first 25 minutes so it's and it had like criterion shit at the start of it as well and i'm like how so I am going to go back and watch the actual Godzilla. You just created a lot of homework this week. Very incomplete. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, watch, I watched the movie. I just watched the wrong movie. No, but now you've got to watch another version of it. you could got to go back to Tokyo Drifter. No, but I, I want to watch the other version of Godzilla. I don't really want to watch Tokyo Drifter, but I will. Okay. Well, I watched, um, I don't know if it's Kasern or Kashern. Mm-hmm. But it's a sci-fi movie from the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. It's based on an anime It's in a dystopian future, and new parts of people are being grown. They're called neocells, and then they become this mutant army who then find a robot army. Mm -hmm. Hats like to wear hats Mm -hmm. and fly around an airship and bad guys with silver wigs Mm -hmm. and a superhero who died and comes back. and Well, he was like a soldier who died and comes back as a superhero. Okay. And it's got lots of crazy action and uh but, but it feels like kind of like sky captain or 300 mm, i like sky captain yeah so do i but really <laughs> ropey okay like the cgi feels very 
it's all very green screeny mm-hmm. and slapped on and it's despite all that and some kind of crazy visuals which often are very ropey it's like massively melodramatic i've heard mm-hmm. that the english subtitles are awful apparently and, mm-hmm. and oversimplified and, mm-hmm. and take out a lot of nuance but uh the characters certainly love yelling and crying okay especially the men mm. uh, and like lots of men screaming and crying and i really didn't enjoy it i just couldn't get into it mm. it wasn't it didn't have that like tongue-in-cheek irreverence or satirical bent or sense of humor of something like tokyo gore police mm. and it didn't have the spectacle that like it, there's a lot in it but mm. gotta go back to that word ropey it was ropey this film's ropey mm-hmm. it's my review okay ropey af so yeah i didn't love it mm. i think i gave it like two stars okay yeah uh, so, yeah, this no, not as successful a second part of Japanuary. Yeah, me. this fortnight, going from two movies that I absolutely loved to two movies that I was like, oh, yeah. which is gonna happen. Like, you know, like we, we're expecting that, but it was just it was a bit of a fall from grace for me. Mm. And we've got still got one week left of Japanuary. Yes, and I'm gonna ruin my entire year by watching Grave of the Fireflies for the first time. Okay, because we've got to do an anime film. Mm. I'm going to do Nausicaa, The Valley of the Winds. Okay. It's seminal work. Mm. And apparently Nausicaa as well is one of the inspirations for my favourite little scavenger girl, Ray. Okay. So I'm curious to see uh, what the influences are there. I just bought mm. the um, manga for work mm-hmm. and uh, it looks beautiful. Mm. With a big box set, and uh, it looks really uh, nice. So I'm looking forward to that, actually. So hopefully uh, we'll end January on a high note. Mm. And then... Black History Month. Yeah, I think it's a Spike Lee mm. film is our first one. Which yeah. I'm excited about. After we saw Black Klansman, I sort of came out of it thinking, shit, I've not watched many, if any, Spike Lee films, and mm. I really should dig into those, and that's going to be the perfect excuse. Yeah, I think the one I've picked for myself probably suits me more than it suits as a representation of of him. But it's uh, I think it's Miracle at St Anna, which is about a black squadron in World War Two. So I'm just like, well, that that suits me. You love the World War because mm. you love death. That's our show. <laughs> Thank you for listening in this slow part of the year. Hopefully things will start ramping up again soon. Uh, but in the meantime, go to freelesspursuits.com to find out everything else we're doing. Uh, Dungeons & Drongos episodes of my D&D podcast are still going strong. Lots of fun coming up there. You can also go to our social media. Um, please join our Facebook discussion group and let us know what you thought of any of the films or us or any news or anything else that... Uh, you'd like us to talk about and uh you can rate reviewers do all that stuff go to patreon look just go nuts we've got faith in you and we support whatever you you want to do with your life yeah well within reason yeah yeah tinkety tonk